1: Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on Rotoviz Overtime, co-owner of Rotoviz, co-host as well for the Stadium Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch. Sean, we have uh, had a lot of podcasts over the last two to three weeks. We always kind of promise our, you know, three shows each and every week, but we've kind of got into a territory now now. We're, we're in the, the four to five shows every week and. With our drafts, with the content we have coming out, that may be the way it plays out, so make sure you are subscribed to the Road to Biz Overtime podcast feed, and you'll get all the content as it comes out. We did release a show that we recorded last week, Sean, a Q&A show, non-football-related, myself and yourself, diving into some of our on outside of fantasy football kind of stories and and topics and we have a couple of those coming out over the coming weeks. We have two of them recorded. We're going to record some more this week. So we'll have some coming out maybe one per week over the next month or, or six weeks or so. But a lot of fun recording those. That one did come out on Monday. So check that out. But Sean, it has been a fun couple of weeks here as we get into the overdrive here for the content game. The uh the training camps have kicked off so it's going to be busy. But we're going to keep the listeners up to date on on all things fantasy football um, from a lot of different angles over the coming kind of eight weeks before the season.
2: We are, and one of the fun formats that we have drafted in recently was an FFPC Superflex tournament draft that you and I were both in separately with a, a decent number of other Rotoviz writers in there as well. And Column, you were able to continue your hot streak. Getting the number two overall pick.
1: Yeah, I've been, I have to admit, I have been on a pretty hot streak. And you made a, you poked some fun at me in one of our recent drafts where I was saying that I was, you know, kept having to decide do I have too many of the players at the two, three turn when I'm drafting from, you know, a 101, 102, or 103 spot. In this draft, Sean, I got the 102. We may touch on a draft in a minute. I got the 101 in and uh yeah the the good run continues so long may it last but i drafted sean from the the 102 and then you drafted in this one from the 111 so it gave a really different perspective of how the draft played out but it also meant that while i was picking at the 102 i was also very aware of some of your prime candidates of players who maybe other drafters wouldn't be targeting in those ranges but i was thinking ahead to are these guys getting back to me because i know who Sean's targeting, particularly when we're trying to get certain structures in these drafts. So you mentioned the the other guys, and I was drafting back-to-back at the 103 with Zachary Kruger, my partner in crime on the Road of His Baseball show. But Jonathan Taylor went with the 101, Sean. I think then at that point, it has to be the clear-cut pick to get Josh Allen as the 102. That's kind of the... He's usually going as the, the 101. But the question I would have there is... Um, Taking Jonathan Taylor in Superflex, is that something that you'd be willing to do at the 101 for me in these drafts? And I'm currently in another one of them, and it's a slow draft. Up onto the 105 is where I would start to get into uh, consideration. So Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Then I'm probably going Joe Burrow, Kyler Martin, and Jalen Hurts. It's very hard to pass up on one of those guys in the Superflex format when you get into the next quarterbacks after that you know russell wilson dak prescott tom brady they're the ones where i kind of start thinking about maybe pivoting how do you feel about jonathan taylor as the 101 in the, the super flex format
2: yeah i think that that's fine not everybody colin is in a situation where they have so much <laughs> jonathan taylor that they're just willing to uh, throw that to the side and, and not worry about it if you had taken taylor at the 102 or in this case taking christian mccaffrey then you would have been able to select your guy aaron Rodgers at the 211 and come back with justin fields at the 302 so you would have had some options there but obviously starting out with the quarterbacks makes sense ben and i did select christian mccaffrey late in a draft blair and i selected jonathan taylor early in one of these drafts i think at the 102 or the 103 you can make that working and pull up the roster construction explorer and see the results there obviously the best way to approach this is to have a quarterback early either qb qb start or at least one qb in the first two rounds and when it came back to me at the 111 cooper cup and russell wilson Also off the board, in addition to the elite QBs that you mentioned, I went ahead and took Christian McCaffrey, the player who probably has the most upside in 2022. We look at non-quarterbacks and probably able to distance himself more from the running back position, even than these top quarterbacks are from the QB position. So I like that element of it. If you get stuck and then as it comes back around in a variety of these leagues recently i've started with christian mccaffrey and jamar chase or christian mccaffrey and cooper cup and one of them started cooper cup and jamar chase to get those two wide receivers early in this one column i did go ahead and take trey lance so that i would have that foundation qb you know we're trying to refrain from talking him up too much because we don't necessarily want him to jump multiple rounds especially in non superflex formats we want him to be a key part of that QB window approach. But here he was too much to resist, even with players like Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, and Jamar Chase still on the board. I think that all three of them would have also been interesting. But when you're in the back here, similar to the problems that you have in non-superflex, the specifics are different, but the problems are similar. If you pass on a QB here, when you wrap back around in the third round by the fact that, Round three started with Tua, and then you took Justin Fields, and then Trevor Lawrence goes at the 303. There's a pretty large tier break at that point, and in fact, in this particular draft, the next quarterback off the board didn't go until Daniel Jones went at the 509. So from the 303 to the 509, no quarterbacks selected in between. Call me again. You had this great starting position you went with Devonte adams coming back in the second round and then took justin fields how did you feel about this three round start and then where did you go from there
1: i was very positive with the three round start overall and when we look at it the pick for me Devonte adams and then into justin fields i thought that there was a little bit of a, a tear break there until it would get to cd lamb but fortunately for you in this draft john cd lamb lasted to the 311 there was a strong run on running backs at that point so that set up pretty well for you there but it was a situation then i got javante williams tj hawkinson then continued into a wide receiver run with dk metcalf darnell mooney and elijah moore i've been drafting a lot more dk metcalf over the last three weeks or so as i think that his adp has become very very palatable at his current prices, then Tony Pollard and Sky Moore. So through those first 10 picks, I had two running backs, one tight end, and two quarterbacks. And it is a situation where if you get priced out a quarterback there, it can get a little bit tricky. So having that early pick was was nice. Looking in hindsight, Fields was my target at the two eleven, and I did pass, and then I got him coming back around. Looking in hindsight, <laughs> I had some concerns there. I probably should have went with Fields at that pick just to make sure – that I did get him, probably would have won Stefan Diggs if he lasted one more pick. But looking Sean it, Javante Williams, we've talked about him in a few recent drafts. I like Javante Williams, like getting him on those rosters, but we haven't you know, drafted him a huge amount in the underdog draft, so felt there was a good chance to get him here. We get TJ Hawkinson, one of our favorite guys, was kind of thinking that he may not make it back to me if I don't take him. Uh, so overall, I, I was pretty happy with how it went through those opening 10 rounds or so looking at my side of the draft and then we'll look at your side through those 10 rounds anything that you would look to change overall there
2: not necessarily you have darnell mooney there with justin fields i don't know that you necessarily have to pair that combo you still have rashad bateman left terry mclaurin we're not necessarily as high on him but jerry judy an interesting player also lasting there Tony Pollard and Sea Flex in round nine, an interesting pick. We've talked about him several times on the show recently. And then obviously in round 11, you get Albert O. So You get a couple of those top tight ends. This is a very nice build in terms of the balance. Perhaps in this format, you would prefer to have a stronger RB2. One of the things that we see, you mentioned that run on running backs in round three that allowed me to get CeeDee Lamb, which I was definitely very excited about. Obviously, he's an early to mid second round pick in traditional formats. But you have Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, all going. You can understand that. And in this context too, I think that there is some value to it where you lose one of those flex positions essentially becomes a super flex. And once it becomes a super flex, then you do mostly want the QB to be jumping into that spot for you it lessens a little bit the impact of a zero RB build or the extra firepower that you get from having all of those early wide receivers. And yet you still do obviously want to be very strong at wide receiver. You want to have the wide receiver in the flex spot. So I was pretty happy to get Lamb coming back and then Debo wrapping around. I think that the running back picks then through rounds four and five were in some ways a little bit surprising and column i have to say that to be able to start christian mccaffrey in a again a format that's a little more running back heavy but then to get nick chubb and cam Akers in rounds five and six that really felt like a gift that probably still shouldn't have been there you look at some guys like alvin Kamara and the suspension possibility obviously we've been drafting Reese Hall, we like him. We've been drafting Travis Etienne, James Conner, a favorite. But to be able to get Nick Chubb after players like Michael Pittman, after players like Dalton Schultz, I I, I like the way that this turned out. And one of the things that's very fun about playing Superflex is I think that there's a, a lot wider range of what could potentially happen when you jump into a draft. Cam Akers, one of these guys who looks A little bit undervalued right now. And so the decision to pass on a QB at the beginning, I think still I like because if the QB that I eventually draft in round seven does happen to hit, then for me, this is the type of early round star power that gives me a good chance to win the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I think you're really loaded at running back in this particular room. And it's interesting you mentioned about the running back too. I I felt like, uh, having two running backs in those first nine picks was probably at my <laughs> optimum, like the higher end of the range of outcomes of what I was going to have. But you did mention it. And I, you know, looking through the scoring and we talk a lot about, you know, the the format and knowing your league scoring settings. And what this being been super flex, a lot of time with super flex, it'll add an extra roster spot. This one, same number of roster spots, but one of those potential flexes to start a wide receiver does go to the quarterback so you made a very good point there but that was something that i had intended and in this when i took the javante williams pick in the the fourth round so interesting no thoughts and we have two kind of different bills overall in this but the question then just to see it out was being super flex you've taken ryan Tannehill in the seventh round and then in the 19th round paired him up with malik willis as your third quarterback so i have done something very similar with albert oku and then greg dulcich uh bin him in the 11th and Dulcich in the 19th. What was your thought process on adding Malik Wallace to the roster there? Was it just to make sure that you know do you think that Tannehill potentially could lose that job throughout the season?
2: I don't know that he necessarily will. I expect him to play well. I expect this au- this offense to function well. I drafted Traylon Burks and Robert Woods. Woods lasted well below ADP in this draft. He's not necessarily a target for me. But if he goes there and I'm making that bet on Tannehill for winning this tournament, then I do need Burks and Woods to both play relatively well. I think they could do that. And if we get to the end of the season and Tannehill is injured or they do tr- decide to make the switch, then I think Malik Willis could be a tournament winning QB, two in Superflex. The other thing that happened here was that Eno Benjamin went two slots ahead of me in round 19. Once it got to that point, I didn't have multiple players that I necessarily wanted to still draft, so it was a flat spot at the other positions that also came into play. Now, it's not that there was absolutely no one that I could have gone with. Tommy Tremble, I think, is an interesting final round tight end. He did go at the 25, which was three picks after I selected Tyquan Thornton, so I selected Willis came back with Thornton. He, he was still sort of the last player that I wanted to get in there. One of the things that happened for me nicely in this draft was I was able to get a variety of values on, in some cases, player targets, and in some cases, players who wouldn't be targets unless they were values, like a Brian Robinson, who I selected at 1711, was able to get a variety of those rookie wide receivers in the aforementioned Burks, and then Dale Robinson, Tyquan Thornton, but then also some value picks in Julio Jones and Robert Woods. So kind of mixing old and young at the receiver position. The spot for me that could be a problem. But again, we address it with one of our favorite guys. I'm able to get Cole Komet at the 10:02 and then Gerald Everett at the 12:02. Come back with Trey McBride, who, <laughs> as I've mentioned a couple of places now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just draft everywhere and, and hope that he is the Pat Fryermuth of this season. I think the Arizona Cardinals obviously could score a lot of points, and if he does emerge, then it gives you that third tight end. You really still need to have three—I won't say powerful, but definitely competitive—tight ends in this format. I either got boxed out or let myself get boxed out a little bit on the early tight ends. And then we know that there's that tight end dead zone. After that, I wanted to be aggressive. That's why I took both combat and Everett in the range where I did. We're projecting Everett to outscore ADP. If he does, I think my team will be in very good shape. If he doesn't, you know, again, that in this FFPC tight end premium format, Maybe once you lose a flex position, the tight ends aren't as powerful from that perspective, whereas generally speaking, they're very viable flex options, especially in best ball where you don't have to pick out the start set ahead of time. Once you lose one of those flexes, you think, okay, well, that's not as viable, but it actually then means that the tight end represents a larger share of the actual starting lineup between running back wide receiver and tight end. So again, you do need to dominate that tight end position we'll see how it falls out from that perspective but to be able to get the early running backs that i got to be able to add a couple of fun late guys and tyler algier and brian robinson algier despite his draft slot continues to generate a bunch of rhetoric at least in the direction of him potentially being the workhorse for the falcons and then to have decent wide receiver depth and mix I like this particular team. I think it's got a great chance, and especially like it considering how many Rotoviz drafters they were in here. As we know from the Listener Leagues, once you're drafting with like-minded people, both from a player evaluation perspective and from a structural perspective, obviously the Rotoviz writers and yourself are using that roster construction explorer and have a good sense of what works and what doesn't in FFPC best
0: ball.
1: yeah, and one of the other things to give a plug for the tools on the website is the being able to see the ADP, and you mentioned this in a few shows recently in the, the grid format. So you know, being able to rather than just see them in a listicle option, being able to see them where players are going, and I thought it was hugely beneficial throughout the draft process, especially against a sharper him like this. Sean, I drafted from the one hundred and one. I teased it a moment ago. We won't go through it in huge detail, but I am going to share it with you here, and I'll share it with the listeners. But I find Maybe it was just after the challenge of drafting against you and the, the other road of his writers. I find this one a little bit less challenging. It was also that I had the 101, but a couple of questions I have to get your thoughts on this overall build. Get the 101, take Josh Allen. Tom Brady falls quite some distance to the 212, where I take Tom Brady in this roster. First question for you, Sean: get Josh Allen, get Tom Brady. Don't draft another quarterback, a two-quarterback build. Is that suboptimal in a super flex tournament, do you think?
2: Well, there are going to be some strengths and weaknesses to it. The best ball tools suggest that it can be very effective. You want to use the rest of those picks to build out other positions. And once you get the top couple, if you're burning more picks at quarterback, and in many cases, those end up being throwaways. And so you've essentially... Cost yourself a roster spot now. If you do have a, a chance to get a good pick inexpensively, then I think that you want to go ahead and do that. One of the things that we have to consider from twenty twenty one, which is a lot of where the data comes from, since this particular Superflex tournament with FPC is relatively new, is that last season was going to be very effective for sort of the early and elite tight end or early and elite QB build whereas in some other seasons we have guys jump up from a little bit further down like a justin herbert a couple of years ago and that's gonna change the dynamic quite a bit but i think this can work and it's certainly something that you want to consider tactically once you're in the draft if the flow makes sense column after that you take a long string of wide receivers so again you've used a pretty clear cut zero rb build in this tournament from the 101 how do you feel about your receivers, and did the running back room end up strong enough to make that payoff?
1: I'm hoping it has. I feel very good about it. The one note I'd say on the quarterbacks is in the draft that we did that we talked about just a moment ago. Um, quarterback 31 in that draft was Mitchell Trubisky in the 11th round. In this here particular draft, quarterback 31 was Deshaun Watson in the 8th round. Prior to him, um, you know, we're at quarterback 29 in the 6th round. And this draft so it it was a case where quarterback really went off the board very early and then that left me in a situation where unless things like you said fell correctly i was really kind of hoping that maybe one of the um for example the seahawks quarterbacks may have got to mirror that but that never happened at any particular point but in terms of the wide receivers that i have drafted it's stefan diggs who i know we're not trying to force stacks into these sort of things but that's kind of exactly where he goes at adp the 301 so we get Allen and Diggs we get AJ Brown we get George Kettle Jalen Waddle Mike Williams Rashad Perryman Chris Godwin you mentioned the wide receiver Sean I don't think there's any doubt or sorry the running backs I don't think there's any doubt that the wide receivers are strong <laughs> enough but Devin Singletary and Kenneth Walker were both people I considered at the 8-9 turn when I took Bitman and Chris Godwin and they lasted true so I couldn't believe my luck when that worked out Kenny Pickett, Christian Kirk, Michael Thomas went in the picks just before that and they were pretty much auto picks for me at that particular point. Then it went Tyler Boyd, Albert Okubunum, Kenneth Gainwell, Terrian Davis-Price, Sonny Michelle, Chris Evans, Trey McBride, Jarek McKinnon and I finished out with Isaiah McKenzie. That was on the Isaiah McKenzie buzzworthy news day. I think Sean, the, the running backs for a zero RB build have finished out pretty strong to get Singletary Walker and Gainwell I think is very positive, and then two of my favorite late guys are Michelle and Evans, and to, to pair that up then as well with McKinnon, I thought worked out pretty well. I, I felt a lot of people based on ADP or a lot of players in this slipped, you know, half around to get back to me. So um, I thought overall it was pretty positive. Um, I, I, I the two quarterback, but was the bit that I thought about. But um, I'm rolling with those two guys, and I think this is it may be my favorite team I've drafted this year so far.
2: Was there any? interest in perhaps taking Isaiah Spiller where you selected Tyler Boyd or going with the two tight ends. We talked about that in a couple of the drafts recently, Ben and I had a draft where there were multiple occasions where maybe going back to back at tight end would have worked. If you had gone with Albert Owen, Noah Fant at the 1213, then you would have had the round 18 pick freed up to select, you know, Benjamin, for example, do you do you prefer having Boyd in there still with the top guys that you mentioned? Obviously, when you have Diggs, Brown, Waddle, Mike Williams, Rashad Bateman, and then Chris Godwin, you have a lot of different ways you can potentially win this tournament i'm pretty excited for you
1: yeah in terms of that pick the reason i took tyler boyd there and again we're not forcing stacks but week 17 we have the bills and the bengals and that felt like with the josh allen stefan Diggs, and i already had singletary at that point it felt like getting boyd in there made a lot of sense that was part of the thinking as well with the chris evans pick so i probably wouldn't i was also thinking that you know fant may have continued to last a little bit the other player that was there and available was gerald Everett at that point he also went off the board before it came back to me so there was quite a tight end run and sean Brevin jordan even went off the board before i got my next pick you'll be able to see there as well but there was a big run on tight ends between the alberto pick and how things played out and oku and went tight end 16 in this um so i felt like that was too much he's usually going about a round earlier and he was going in that fant range then so Very much understand the thought process there, but also excited to get some more Trey McBride, particularly in the the FFPC tight end premium format. So happy with how this roster played out overall. We'll see how it goes throughout the season. But after getting the opportunity to go back to back in the super flex format with two quarterbacks who, you know, no issues with job security at all, outside of uh, injuries happening, um, tempted to maybe try and get a few more two quarterback builds in this ffpc tournament so we'll see how that plays out the one i'm currently drafting in drafting from the 105 started off and that just one pick in with joe burrow so we'll see what options are available in the, the second round but might try this out and see how it plays out on a couple of occasions but fun drafting in the ffpc Superflex tournament 35 entry would highly recommend Having a go over there at myfpc.com if you haven't done so already. Myself and Sean will be doing some of the $125 tournament drafts as well. Excited for those. And then we're going to be getting into the high stakes season as well. it's just just a fun time, Sean. I'm getting amped up just thinking about it. We got a question in from Joey, and he was talking about some of the recent drafts. We had talked about the discussion around dealing with the lit draft slot. Sean had the lit draft slot here. So in terms of redraft or best ball and the need to get creative to overcome the advantage the top half of the draft has, he said he would love to hear some of our thoughts on an elite tight end barrage, as he calls it, from the 12th spot. He said, is it too crazy or can it crush the flex with elite tight ends and ruin everyone else's elite tight end builds? What else needs to be done? For the rest of the draft to close it out so he has shared a draft with us it was true 16 rounds at that particular point it's an ffpc classic draft so it's not a tournament it's a 12 team league and that means that you it's the kind of usual process of what we would start So it's tight end premium one quarterback two running back two wide receiver one tight end two flex flex can be tight end running back or wide receiver sean he starts off with mark andrews kyle pitts darn waller and george kittle so Outside of Travis Kelsey, he's got all the elite tight ends, you know. Kind of in this build, obviously we would class TJ Hawkinson has been in there as well. But when he starts that particular build with four tight ends out the gate in this format, he can start two of them on a weekly basis. What's your opening thoughts on drafting four tight ends in the first four picks?
2: Well, my my opening thoughts are this this is just unbelievably cool. Right. It's super fun to go after this obviously it does put the rest of your league under pressure at the same time it probably is is more fun as an experiment or um, as a protest of the 12 spot than necessarily winning when we pull up the ffpc roster construction explorer and look at classic builds we see that if you select three tight ends in the first four rounds your win rate from 2017 through 2021 was just 6%. And obviously three in the top four is a little bit less aggressive than four right off the bat. Obviously, when you are looking at four in the first four rounds, that's not something that we see really executed. It has been done 15 times. It did have a a 6.7 win rate. Very few very top scoring teams in there actually is above 50 percent in terms of top six percentage so if you're playing in a 50 50 then maybe you can hang on here again we don't know what those 15 drafters did with the rest of their draft in this one joey has gone fairly wide receiver heavy gets himself a couple of good quarterbacks hits on excellent zero RB options at the running back position so definitely wouldn't say that this couldn't win I do think that it's probably a little bit overly aggressive but we know that having a couple of elite tight ends is very effective in the FFPC format if you get that one early tight end and then come back with a second tight end in that fifth sixth round range it often leaves you with elite win rates. Zachary Kruger and I are currently drafting in the $125 best ball tournament on a team where we started with Mark Andrews in the first round and then had Dalton Schultz fall to us at the 5'11", went ahead and grabbed him there. That's about a half round below ADP for him. Gives us a little bit of a, a unique build. As I said, it does have some good win rates. We also have some cool articles on the site from Madison Parkhill, who has discussed bully tight end this idea of making sure you do dominate the tight end position especially in tight end premium leagues but even in some other formats as well and how that accomplishes some of the objectives that joey has discussed here so probably not the four in a row to start but having a heavy tight end approach especially if you do draw a weak draft slot but you're able to start with a mark andrews a kyle pitts something to that effect i think is going to be very effective
1: yeah, and I would compare it in this particular draft to the team in the 10th spot who did take TJ Hawkinson then in the fifth round. But obviously, if you're at the 112, you, you mightn't get Devontae Adams. In this draft, he couldn't have. But that team started Devontae Adams, DeAndre Swift, DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle. That would have meant that he could have went Mark Andrews, DeAndre Swift, Darren Waller, and then Jalen Waddle after that. So there could have been a way to, to build this roster out you know to give it more variance as well i think it's a very interesting process but the issue then i mentioned earlier talking about chris godwin chris godwin's the wide receiver one on this team then on my around st brown De- uh, Devontae smith chris Olave, Rondell Moore. that's who the, they've shaken out so that could leave you in a little bit of a difficult situation um with the wide receiver position as well but very fun uh, especially in something like you know a 12 team league but may not work in the the long term but thank you to joey for sending that in the one thing is for sure sean he's loaded a tight end
2: yes you're gonna you're gonna dominate the tight end position and dominate the flex through the tight ends maybe not dominate the other positions but but as we said this is a really cool start
1: we're going to leave it there for today's show as we run through some super flex drafts hopefully they're insightful as to some of the different builds that we did three different ways to attack the same tournament and all based on draft slot obviously i only draft now from those top three to four picks and drafts um sean willing to take the the 111 in that draft as i as i joked through it but um fun fun tournament sean i think it has to be said but we're the season is getting closer and uh, we're going to get that nfl news coming our way very 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 shortly Make sure, as I mentioned at the start of the show, to check out the episode that we did, the non-football episode, lots of fun stuff in there. You'll actually find out for the people who listen or watch sometimes over on the YouTube channel, Sean's artwork is very popular behind him. Sean gives the story behind that in this particular episode. As I mentioned at the start of the show, we are going to have lots of content coming your way, so make sure you're subscribed to the Road of Is Overtime podcast feed. Leave us a written interview on your favorite podcast app. You'll get all the episodes coming your way by doing that the key step there is leaving us the written interview that makes sure you get all the episodes <laughs> once they get released but um that is going to do it for today's episode my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to marlin my co-host is sean siegel you can check out all his work up on rotaviz.com and until we're back with another show have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rodavis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rodavis Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.